podcasting in my pajamas this is tiebreaker with ria it's all about capturing journeys sharing knowledge and letting you know that struggles are beautiful because growth comes only through efforts and struggles thank you for spending some time with me today now let's begin the transformation he is all about building people building entrepreneurs building organizations he embarked on his entrepreneurial journey in the year 2000 after having spent 18 years working for companies owned by others he is a true leader and a great teacher he has got a real different perspective on life i so enjoyed talking to him and i'm sure you will too let's welcome Premchand Kuroop Let's welcome uh, Premchand Kuroop So I see that you know um you started very early in your life you just got out of the college and you uh, joined a very big company now Wipro but uh, after that you worked in a couple of other companies and then you went you know you were in Dubai and you started your own company you, just not just one not just two but three I mean let's just go you know rewind back and see how it all started why it all started and how did you do what you're doing today so tell us something about you your early life in india and everything <laughs> okay um you know when i rewind a lot of things will probably come to my mind it might appear to be disconnected so let me try and put some kind of uh, clarity into uh, what i'm saying see first of all when i finished my engineering i was interviewed by multiple uh, companies in india and i got uh, three offers in hand and surprisingly i was not interested in any of the three companies wow and uh, <laughs> my classmates told me prem if you go for any other campus interview we're going to kill you because you got three jobs already and looks like you're not going to take anything then <laughs> for a written test uh and on that written test the first thing that really attracted me was a quotation by peter drucker was there you know i used to love quotations and i generally am quite quick at uh, learning something by heart so i looked at that quotation from peter drucker it said the final proof of management sincerity and seriousness is uncompromising emphasis on integrity of character in a management job a man might himself know too little perform poorly lack judgment and ability and yet not do damage as a manager but if he lacks integrity he damages people most valuable asset of the enterprise believe me ria i have never seen this print never never ever seen this in print after that written test of the pro oh my god oh tell you how much i uh, was uh, inspired by that quote and i said looks like here is a very very interesting company to seriously look at fortunately for me i cleared that written test and then i was called for one initial interview and then the second interview and during the course of that interview they told me they will offer me a customer support engineer's job i said no i want a sales executive job because i want to make sales my career 
Wow. You <laughs> immediately said, you know, Prem, that is not possible. So I asked them why. So they said every single sales executive that we've appointed this year is either from IAM or from XLRI. We do not even take anybody from any of the other management institutes. So I was surprised. I said, they don't even take anybody from any other management institute. So it was like, you know, and I was thinking, what's so great about these IAM guys? <laughs> so, but nevertheless, I got excited because of the way Wipro handled this. And I'm thankful today for having taken that decision. It was not an easy decision to take for a young boy who hardly knows anything about the industry. Nobody in the market knew about Wipro because Wipro was only one year old. Before that, Wipro wow. was a Vanaspati, no experience in IT. Right? I myself didn't know anything about IT. And the most interesting thing was that Wipro's salary offered to me was 1,000 rupees when the other two offers were 1550 and 1750. So you're talking of 1.7 times the salary. And yet, a decision to go with Wipro because I, I, I felt very happy with the people whom I met during the interview. You know, that being said, um, many millennials today, they go where the package is more. They go where they see, okay, this company has got like a lot of package, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, benefits. Let's go there. They don't care about uh, what kind of job it is. They don't care about if they have to sit nine to five right there and do nothing. It, what matters is the income. And at that age, you, you were you were the same, like you were also a millennial at that time. But you, people were companies were not interviewing you. You were interviewing the companies. It was like the complete other way around. And still, and you picked the best company for yourself. So why? Like, it is only because of your brought up, you know, because this mentality cannot come just after the college. So tell us about your, you know, how your parents treated you and how they got, you know, that into your brain, that integrity is everything, happiness is everything and money is, you know, at the end. So tell us something about that. And also, Premton, if you can, uh, you know, your camera is a little, uh, if you can just little, it is like completely at the top. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Let me go a little bit into my background. I come from a very simple uh, middle class family from, uh, I was based in Chennai, although we hail from Kerala. And, you know, when you come from uh, a middle-class family in India in those days, you're first of all taught that you go to school, go to college, study well, and then you take up a good job and then you remain there. Correct. Right? You grow there. That's the, the message that generally comes to you. And I'm very grateful to my dad because he took a decision early on. He said, I'll spend all my money on the education of my children. Education is the most important thing. Wow. I happened to go to a school called Padmashri Shadri in Chennai. It's one of the finest schools even today. Where the motto was knowledge is power. So we were taught really to build that knowledge. So I think that initial focus on continuous learning was very early there, number one. Uh, number two was both at home and in the school, there was a focus on simplicity, austere living, high thinking. So there was never that uh, intent or that focus on trying to make money. 
neither quickly nor in the long term wow it was about you know living a simple life and being happy correct <laughs> and strong adherence to a value system integrity was bred in me at home and in school so i think that uh, was a major blessing and then when i got into the industry and when i heard prinji saying you know everything in life can be negotiated except integrity i mean i think uh, it's god given that it synced very well for me in my uh, personal and professional way that's awesome awesome wow and you know usually in india especially in south india they believe in uh, jobs you know <laughs> the north indians <laughs> in fact uh, you were told that you know if you start a business you will lose money yeah. and then you your reputation and then you will spoil the lives of all uh, your family your relatives definitely like you know, you're wondering how are you spoiling the lives of your relatives <laughs> wow yeah definitely um awesome you know that, that that's very insightful because at that age and you know as a parent or you know what advice do you want to give to parents out there who are stressing people to earn money who are you know you go on we'll take care about everything else what advice you want to give to the them no i, I don't want to give any advice but <laughs> you know what i have sort of adopted see i think first of all the starting point is not so relevant so you can start uh, at 1000 rupees or 10000 rupees or 100000 rupees it will hardly make a difference in the long run because life is a marathon it's not 100 meters it's not a t20 game and when you run a marathon you need a value system so i think as parents all that we need to do is to uh, build a strong value system in children uh, you know teach them how to be a good human being and then leave the rest to them let them go as per their passion let them go as per the speed at which they want you may make money at the age of 30 you may make money at the age of 40 you may make money at the age of 50 it hardly ever matters in the long run at the end of the day i think when you have that value system you will believe in living a life of contribution you will believe in living a life of gratitude because ultimately it is sheer human vanity to attribute to oneself the success of the eminence that one might have attained because more often than not it is circumstances that makes the man it is the context that context that is built by somebody else it's not by you you just happen to be there in that context and therefore you are succeeding i am not undermining the importance of content content is important but everybody with content doesn't reach the same uh, milestone exactly what is it that is different it is the context did you decide to go to the us did you decide to go to russia did you decide to go to japan did you decide to ride the product horse did you decide to ride the company horse did you decide to run a particular boss horse i mean all this has an impact ultimately but unfortunately during you know the school and college days we lay i think unnecessarily too much of importance on content definitely putting the other skills it's about you know making uh, the kid a better person awesome well said super well said you know and then again coming back to your interview you asked if you could get a sales executive job and uh, they denied and said that no 
because we only hire from IIM and you know uh, other uh, top institutions. So, what was your thought then? And do you think that is it like a kind of a discrimination, if that is the word, or you know, why you know why? And and, and still today, you know, many companies they only want to uh, focus on big institutions and. What are your thoughts about that? And did you continue to go for the customer role that you were getting, or what was that? How was that? Question. You know, I am happy that I did not take a decision not to join Wipro because they did not give me a sales executive position. In fact, the feeling that I had at that time is I really want to see what's so great about these IM guys. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> rebellious uh, mentality. So the immediate feeling was that. So I joined Wipro as a customer support engineer, and then you see how the context changes. Wipro had just started the Hyderabad office. There was an area manager in uh, Hyderabad, uh, and we had one. Uh, we had two installations. We had one installation in Hyderabad and one installation in Vizag, and these were the only two installations. There was no customer support engineer. So the area manager one day called the regional manager and said that you know I need a customer support engineer. Without that, you know I can't live. What what will happen if this machine fails? So I said. Uh, so our regional manager said, fine. Let me send. Uh, he was probably looking around. He must have seen me walking around the corridor. Young kid who has just joined. So he immediately told uh, the area manager, don't worry, I'll send somebody. So then he called me and he said, you know, Prem, why don't you get transferred to Hyderabad? So I said, to do what? He said, you support. <laughs> Installations and I did not even know how to open the machine. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> If you want to transfer me, I'm willing to go. So I went to Hyderabad as a customer support engineer, and then and we were operating out of I don't know. Do you know Hyderabad? I live in Hyderabad. <laughs> There is a hotel at that paradise called Asrani Hotel. I don't know whether they are still there. It was a small hotel, and Wipro's office was in. I remember, I remember right room number two zero two. Oh, that is accurate. <laughs> and one area manager sitting there on one table. We had taken out the bed and all that, so there was one table for him and one table and chair for me. And that's how I started my career there. And one day my area manager looked at me. He said, "Prem, what are you spending time looking at all these manuals?" I said, "What do I do? That machine doesn't fail. So unless it fails, <laughs> I, I don't have any work." He asked me, "Can you sell?" I said, "I don't know how to sell, but if you teach me, I'll learn." Wow! So then he immediately picked up the telephone, and he was a very interesting guy named Mutreja. He picked up the uh, telephone. He called uh, Sridhar, who was our regional manager, and he said, uh, "Sridhar, you have sent this guy Premchand to me. He's a useless customer support engineer. <laughs> I want to make him a salesperson. Can I do that?" I could hear Sridhar on the other side must have been thinking, "Oh, I just want to get this Mutreja off my head." So you do whatever you want. <laughs> wow! How I started my life as a sales executive, and then I grew from there in the sales function. So, do you believe it? If it has to happen, it will happen. <laughs> yeah, if it is, uh, yeah. As I mentioned to you, you now the context is something that is not created by you. Sometimes very difficult for each one of us to create a context. Yes. in a leadership position we say that a real leader yeah, sheikh mohammed the ruler of dubai has a very interesting uh, snippet he said leadership is all about manufacturing opportunity wow so very important that as a leader you have to constantly ask yourself this question am i manufacturing opportunity for my people 
we are taught very early on how to operate successfully with scarcity nothing in wipro comes easily you want 100 rupees you have to fight for it right? oh <laughs> so, and i think that was the other very important uh, learning from prenji he was very very cost oriented very cost controlled there was a and wipro always had a very very strong accounts and finance team so wow. everything was at uh, very very diligently you know meticulous so, attention to detail was paid as far as costs were concerned wow and, so do you believe uh, in um learn that whoa. we have to learn to live with scarcity you're not going to get anything in abundance and say okay fine you have everything now operate like i told you when we started the hyderabad operation we were just two people we never started with 10 15 20 people wow so do you believe in scarcity leads to innovation i think so too you have to have that hunger if you don't have that hunger i don't think that innovation that experimentation that passion all that for it to come now that hunger must be there superb well said awesome and uh, uh, you said that you know you are the only employee who praises the company so much like if people leave the company they're like oh that was a hell of a mess i don't want to join there again and your perspective you are just talking so good about the company is tell like what kind of a human you are you know because you are just taking, so how were like your seven years there what it was it a lot of struggles in learning or politics or it was super fun pure and do you think that that generation and this generation things are pretty changed the corporate world is not that corporate world anymore it's more like politics fighting getting at the top position without thinking what they are doing and people only working because they have to work to get the paycheck so what do you think about that it's a difficult question to answer riya because uh, see first of all when i joined wipro and then when i lived through that 7 years in wipro wipro was always a small company even in my 7th year wipro was probably uh, less than 100 crores right so uh, i mean we sort of got to interact with almost everybody in the company and one of the best things that i learned from somebody like premji is that you could stand up and say something against anybody who is a boss and even you know completely let's say diametrically opposite what is premji's personal viewpoint and nothing would happen to you i remember several interactions that i had where with premji also i said that uh, this is what i feel and then premji had looked at me and he said i i don't agree with you but you are running the show it's up to you wow you see that that is the professionalism with which the company operated now i think what happens as a company grows it is a little difficult for that kind of professionalism to percolate down to the rock bottom so what happens is that somewhere down the line when managers see ultimately for you your company is your manager i think so definitely so, however uh, 
I mean, both the value system as well as the professionalism, I think it is a little difficult to percolate right from the top to the bottom. And one good thing that is happening today is that I think this whole pyramidal structure is collapsing. And it's becoming a platform business model. So anybody will exist on the platform and nobody is going to exist permanently. Everybody is temporary. <laughs> you are either a provider of value or you are a consumer of value. That's all. You have only two roles. You want you call yourself president, vice president, senior vice president. It's all irrelevant. <laughs> Super. Well said. Awesome. Value to the table. That's what is important. <laughs> awesome. So you think this is a very important trait for an entrepreneur? I, I don't like to use the word boss. I think it's, it's, it's I don't know, okay. it, it gives me that negative vibe. So do you think that uh, being an entrepreneur, it's very important to respect your employee's decision, your employee's, you know, in a way, the, the ideas and everything, or just do what you think is correct, or just follow your strategies, your ideas, and not you know, listen to anybody. What do you think about this? See, it is a two-way street. It is not about just following somebody or accepting what somebody says. Like, uh, the, what I have always followed is, if you know, teach. If you wow. don't know, learn. Wow. So don't worry where you are learning from, whom you are uh, teaching. You don't have to break your head on all that. Okay. This is number one. Number two is that I have always felt long before this whole platform business model came up, I've always believed that in a knowledge intensive business like what I have been in all along, hierarchy has absolutely no meaning. The knowledge worker must be allowed to gravitate to where the knowledge is. It need not necessarily rest with his boss or his manager, or his leader. It need not. It might be somewhere else. But allow him to gravitate without imposing any kind of barriers on him and tell him this is the hierarchy, this is the pyramid, this is the only way in which you can move. I don't think that works today. I, so I, when I got the entrepreneurial bandwagon, I made sure very clearly that nobody in our company is worried really about hierarchy. Hierarchy may be there, may not be there. You represent it outside when you speak to somebody. But inside, at the end of the day, it's all about what is your personal value add? What is the knowledge that you are seeking? Go and take that knowledge from wherever you want. If it is not available inside the company, you can, you're can free to go outside the company and get it. That is so it, well said. Hierarchy is Hierarchy does not exist in the team, on the team. And wow, wow, this was awesome. <laughs> awesome. Oh, all right. So you, so you were in Hyderabad for seven years? No, I was in Hyderabad from 82 to 85, three years. Oh, okay. Hyderabad started in 82. Oh, okay. Okay. All so like right. From let's first customer, I've been to uh, Hyderabad, Vijayawada, Eluru, uh, then Singareni, Kothagudi, Badrachalam, Kothagudam, Badrachalam. Then uh, Vaisag, Bimuli, Vijayanagaram. Oh my God, there are too many places. Length and breadth. I will tell you how the taste of sambar changes from one place <laughs> to another. Exactly. So, uh, which was your favorite place or favorite sambar? <laughs> is my favorite place. 
<laughs> okay. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. Oh, all right. So that was the comf- now you became comfortable. You were working. You were loving your company, loving your peer, you know, colleagues and everything. And then you took the uncomfortable decision of leaving Vipro. And tell us more about why you left Vipro. What did you do afterwards, and something of that sort. Yeah, I wanted to change. I was the regional dealer uh, channel manager for the South. Pro had just conceptualized the PC channel, and I was heading the channel sales in the South and uh, all the states. So that is Andhra, uh, Karnataka, Kerala, and Tamil Nadu. Was the channel sales was done by? Uh, I was heading that. I had a small team of about three dealer management executives, and we had about some eighteen. Uh, dealer partners. So that was what I was after the seven years in Wipro. I got into that uh, position in my towards the end of the fifth year. So two years I had spent in that position. I wanted a change. I felt that you know I worked for a good company for seven years, but maybe I should look at doing something different. I didn't really know what that difference was. I didn't uh, have. Let's say a great deal of respect for other companies. I felt Wipro was a very good company. There was no point in leaving Wipro, <laughs> joining another company in India. Then it so happened that I got an offer from a company in Dubai, and I did not even know where Dubai was on the map at that time. Oh, interesting! We studied geography. The Middle East and all is not even covered. It's only American history and then <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with Russia and all that. But Middle East was never there, so I never knew where this Dubai was. And I got this offer, and at that time I just got married. So I just thought, okay, let's let's take a chance. We'll go. So this is how I actually came to Dubai. Wow, um, you know, okay, you got a job offer, and that's why you came to Dubai. Now uh, you, because I see that you are a you you want that company to be awesome if you want if they want you to work there then how did you realize that the company you're going to join in dubai is like it, it's a nice company like why did you accept the offer <laughs> see i was still young i was what 28 29 years old at that time i didn't go through any serious evaluation of the company <laughs> i was the guy who interviewed me i was oh. very happy very impressed with him and then i said okay let me just take a chance and join And interestingly, as a corollary to your question, after I joined, I was very disappointed. It didn't take me about more than you know a couple of months to realize that I'd made a mistake. I first of all felt I made a mistake to come to Dubai. I made a mistake to join that particular company that I had joined. I felt that the market was very unprofessional. I felt that my company was very unprofessional because the comparison for me was Wipro. Yes. There was absolutely no way of comparing. and i was still too young and nothing told me that you know you shouldn't be making this comparison my friend right but still ah uh, when i looked at it i had an interesting situation the gulf war broke out so lot of professionals who had come to the gulf were returning to india and i got an interesting letter from the hr head of wipro he wrote to me saying that you know many people uh, are coming back to india and if At all, you are contemplating coming back to India. Wipro must be your first port of call. Wow! So one, I was like extremely happy with that mail. I mean, not mail. It was a letter that day. Uh, in those days, email had not yet started. Oh! 
secondly, I discussed this with my wife. I said, you know, I can now today go back and join Wipro again. Should I do this? But somewhere I felt that, you know, having come to the Gulf, I'm a sort of fight it out. I think I had a fighting spirit somewhere always inside me. Wow. Then I decided that I will continue here. So I left my first company, joined another company. That company was a startup. It was in the barcode data capture business. So I sort of, I was the first employee of that company. It was owned by a Bahraini national. And uh, that gave me a very, very strong, uh, let's say, learning as far as startups are concerned. When, When I went to Hyderabad, Hyderabad was a startup for Wipro. So I had that startup experience. When I joined the dealer management executive, it was again first time for Wipro that Wipro was getting into the channel business. When I joined this company, Data Capture Systems, it was first time again in Dubai, no customer, no employee. I was the first. So it gave me a very good orientation into how to build a startup. So I built uh, Data Capture Systems for seven years, grew them to a market leadership position. And uh, then only I decided to become an entrepreneur because I felt again that, you know, if I want to, uh, you know, be in a company that is professional, it's better for me to create one. Because I found that professionalism missing in almost uh, whether the company was Indian owned, whether it was owned by a national from the Middle East or whether it was owned by a multinational, I felt that there were very serious shortcomings. So then something told me that, you know, if this is what you're looking for, then you might as well create something yourself and then you have only yourself to blame. (laughs) Well said. Uh, You know, you said that you have this fighting spirit. You had a great chance to go back uh, to Wipro, you had a great chance to take your fa- take your family back to India, have a happy life, and get rid of all those things that are happening around you. But still, you chose to fight and continue what you're doing. Did you have that sort of intuition that this is going to change your life, or uh, there was some kind of strong call in your head that said that don't go back, or you just wanted, you know, like tell me about that phase, that that one phase of your life. Why you did not come back to India, to Hyderabad? (laughs) See, there are two things here. Now, you ask this question, did you have that gut feel somewhere that you will succeed? The answer is no. See, I have always believed that, you know, fame, money, success. I mean, we all want this. We all yearn for this. But I don't think... Any of these three things can be chased. You have to identify a cause. You must be married to that cause. You must be very passionate about that cause. And you must go behind that cause. And when you do that, the other three things that you want now will chase you. This was my belief. So I somewhere felt at that time... That, okay, I'm going through some adverse circumstances. And I remember in school, we had learned uh, all Shakespeare's plays. There is this uh, play called As You Like It, in which Polonius says, sweet are the uses of adversity, which like a toad, ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel on its head. 
And this are life exempt from public haunt, find tongues in trees, books in the running groups, sermons in stones, and good in everything. You need that stoic philosophy. You need to have that, what, what I learned in school as karma yoga. Our uh, teachers in school were very, very strong on the value system building. And we had this whole explanation about what karma yoga was. And the English term for that is stoic philosophy. You have to accept certain things in life that you cannot change. That is why that old saying, you know, God give me the, let me see if I can record it correctly. God give me the uh, courage to accept the things I cannot change. The strength to change the things that I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. So if there is something you cannot change, then don't, don't break your head on that. Leave it. So somewhere on the line, I said that, you know, I must stay back and fight it out. I'm going through some tough circumstances, but let me fight it out and see what happens. Wow. I think that South Indians are very intelligent. You guys remember everything that you learned in school, which is very rare. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that, that's well said. And then, um, uh, okay. That we had in Padmasya some of the finest teachers. That Their dedication to the cause of teaching was unimaginable. Can you believe even today after having left the school? When did I leave the school? 76. Right? So we're talking of what? 24, 44. Even after 45 years, every year when I go to Chennai, I go multiple times. Every time I go to Chennai, I go and visit my English teacher. Wow. Wow. In fact, I remember my son once telling me, he was uh, only uh, in the first or second standard. And I told him that, you know, you come with me. I'm going to see my old school teacher. <laughs> he said, you want to see your teacher? I said, yes. Then he looked at me and he said, if it was me, I would never go and see her. <laughs> wow. Awesome. <laughs> you know, why is it? See, I have a feeling that, you know, in those days, first of all, everything was small. Our class was only about 25, 30 students. We had a very strong one-to-one -one relationship with the teachers. Teachers were very, very dedicated in their teaching. So it was a remarkable relationship that was built. A teacher and a parent can change your life, change your mindset because that are the growing stages of your life and you see, exactly. you get influenced. Wow. Awesome. Wow. And then you decided to start your own company, not just one, like three companies and very less duration, like one and a half year, one and a half year, you started like three companies. Um, you know, you said in our introductory call that uh, there was one colleague who asked you something like if you go to a break and come back, Tell us more about that situation and what made you realize that you have to start your own company. See, actually, I was still reluctant uh, because there was this fear. You know, somewhere down the line, you have that fear. So it all happened when one of my colleagues told me, Prem, if you're leaving this company, then I'm going to leave. So I asked him, why, then what are you going to do? So he said, I actually want to start something small. I think it can be started. Uh, but, you know, I have that little bit of a problem, the last mile problem, because I used to discuss this also openly. So he said, the last mile problem that you have always been talking about. But if you are there with me, then I'm not worried. I can run the show, but you must be there with me as an investor, 
as an advisor as a strategic consultant whatever help me out that's enough so that is how i actually started the first entrepreneurial venture which is in the barcoding space which today is called barcode gardens wow even today it's about uh, it's a small company it's a little about 12 uh, million dollars about 40 people but it's run entirely by the team of people who had worked with me and your colleague Wow that's awesome uh, you were an employee and then you became an entrepreneur what was the transition like employee you just used to focus on one thing you used to work like 9 to 5 come home relax but entrepreneurship is not easy <laughs> it's not easy so how did you you know bridge the gap uh, how was that journey like see for me honestly dear i don't think that i felt too much of a difference because in wipro as i mentioned to you i was there at every startup phase my experience was really startups right exactly so it was just that from an ownership standpoint the first 3 4 uh, uh, stints that i had i was not having any ownership i had no equity in the companies that i built but i built everything from scratch when i started my entrepreneurship journey one of the things that i was very clear about is that we have to share knowledge and we have to share wealth so then i told myself very clearly we will look at an equity distribution right from the very beginning the people who are involved in the creation of the company must have an equity stake in the company so that's how all the companies were started by me. and i think today to a large extent that's a blessing in disguise because one of the things is that since if people are very committed to uh, i mean if people have uh, equity stake in the company they'll be committed to the long term growth of the company and they'll be there for a long time so most of the people almost i would say 90% of the people who started off with me on this entrepreneurial journey are still there with me wow awesome that that's awesome and um Yeah, that's that's crazy i'm just trying to process <laughs> okay and then uh, you started that and you know you mentioned that why only work for one company why not multiple companies at a time can you enlighten us about that particular statement because if uh, because that might not be a great uh, uh, strategy for an employee because the focus is getting distributed and from an entrepreneur point of view you might not want your employee to work somewhere else because you want that focus to only be on your job or your work so how is that you know the changing of mindset that a person can work for multiple companies and yet provide the right 100% work or 100% quality that a, a employer is asking for you know or expecting for so it's like you're asking this question on behalf of an employer you're saying an employer yes. will see risk. yes but you want thing do you think the employee will see risk or he doesn't see risk i think both the parties will see the risk because employee is kind of getting distracted like uh, for example if i am eating if i am uh, browsing my net if i am doing if i am also doing like three four things at a time i according to me again how am i going to concentrate on what is on my plate you know 
like there are like hundreds of things if i'm doing or you know if i'm working with three large companies or three companies how is that a person can be focused on you know how is that mind change shift of mind like okay now this is the time i'm working for x company switch y company switch z company that is difficult right <laughs> so yeah interesting okay let me go and give you an example at the let's say lowest strata of society and this is something that i have experienced myself i have a cook who comes at about 11 o'clock in the morning and by 1 o'clock she would have finished cooking and she would have left okay she probably is going to another house at 1:30 completing the lunch cooking there by 3 o'clock and then she is off she's probably going to the next place and cooking dinner and keeping that ready before she came to my place she must have gone somewhere and maybe made breakfast this is the way she operates now if she can operate like that why you and me with all the education that we have received find it very very difficult to operate we want to have a employer who says that you know you have to work with me from morning 9 to 5 and then i will give you so much salary why are we like this i can tell you one thing riya i don't think there is anybody in any company in any part of india or for that matter in any part of the world who is actually utilizing very very effectively completely eight hours at work definitely in any company there is nobody i am telling <laughs> them and i have told them also very clearly you want to work for people companies please come and discuss with me oh. i am very happy i don't even mind if they are a competitor actually but for them important that they know how to draw the conflict of interest line oh yeah it's better for them not to get into any conflict of interest but i think it is good both for the employee and the employer in the long run if we all move to the situation where we allow a person to work for multiple companies at the same time and now i think one of the things that the what covid has taught us is that everybody or at least a significant number of people at least if you go by what tcs and ibm and all are doing they are saying what 50 to 75% of the people will be only work from home now you tell me if i am working from home what control do you have on me <laughs> else i am doing my wife is asking me to cook something for lunch today do you have any control on that <laughs> well, so like that work for multiple companies at the same time i think from, as a result of this work from home that will 100% happen so yes. it is best for both parties to accept that this is the new reality and see how best you can evolve a win win situation and make sure that there is no conflict of interest i don't think it is difficult at all wow um wow that that's that's a great trait you know that's a great trait an entrepreneur can have uh, but it's important to be transparent right like the yes. employee should be super transparent that he's working very very important and that is the reason why i think when i started off on my career itself in entrepreneurship i clearly defined a value system and that value system is called clear be a clear person be clear in all that you do be a clear company and clear is transparency c stands for caring look at win win transactions L stands for learning. Continuous learning is absolutely essential in the knowledge intensive business. 
E stands for energy and energizing. Not only should you have energy, you must be able to energize others. It's very, very critical, particularly when you are in a leadership position. A stands for achieving. You have to be metrics driven. You have to measure. And R stands for respect. At the end of the day, give respect and take respect. So be clear. And L-O-V-E. Live our values eternally. Wow. And love is great. Wow. Uh, now that being said, how to communicate? Like, how, you know, you be clear. We say everybody. Uh, how to, you know, have that uncomfortable conversation with your boss asking that, can I work for some other company as well? Because you never know how they react. And, and that being, again, if I go and say that, uh, can I please go and work for this company as well? He might say, you're fired. Because we are not yet there, right? <laughs> like this mentality is not yet there. So this guy loses like both of the things. <laughs> and that's when he tries to lie. You know, this creates again, oh, if I'll go and say, if I'll go and talk truth, if I do something, I might lose my job. I'm the only breadwinner of my family. What do I do? I have to hide it. So like how to implement the clear concept, the LOE concept, you know, in, in this head that, you know, you, you have that transparency or that you have, you're comfortable having the uncomfortable talk. See, it's a very, very good question that you've asked. You have to take a few steps back. One is, if you are constantly learning and updating yourself, reskilling yourself, reimagining one of the things that will automatically come to you is courage. Okay? And I think that that courage is very, very essential for you because that will determine the way you interact in your office with your colleagues, with your bosses, and with your company at large. So if that learning and reskilling and reimagining is not taking place, that courage is not going to come. And when that courage comes, believe me, you will go to your office every day with the resignation letter in your pocket. Wow. This is what I have always told people who have worked with me. Please have a resignation letter in your pocket. Any time. <laughs> you must be and say, Mr. Prem, take it. <laughs> and, and you must have that confidence that if you walk out, you will get your New appointment in no time. That's wow. the kind of culture you have to build in people. Now, can you do it across the board, all 100 people? Not possible. Because everybody has got their own uh, mindset, the way they think, the challenges they face in their life are different. So there are so many things. So I would say, Maria, that you always have the 80-20 rule. If you have 80% of your people who operate like this, you will be able to build a very strong Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. Okay. That's why I that you can either build roots and grow like a tree or you develop wings and fly out. The call is yours. You are the one to decide what you want to do and when to do it and how to do it. It is not my call. Perfect. Wow, that's that's well said. Awesome. It's it's like a complete different perspective now I'm getting, you know. I was that kind of a girl that, you know, I want my team to work with me. And now listening to you, I'm like, 
yeah well that's okay could be <laughs> that is a possibility <laughs> uh, uh, wow that's awesome oh pahedria you will be able to appreciate this as an entrepreneur maybe not so much as a employee i think compensation must be if possible 100% outcome based today it is not outcome based it is time based correct wow. whatever we may say we have a performance evaluation system and this and that and then we have some incentive and we have some variable and all that at the end of the day it is based on that if i come to office i'll get my salary no i don't think it should be like that it should be outcome based and that is how if you go today to upwork must have seen upwork of yeah. freelancers dot yeah i today want to have something developed i can define the specs upwork there will be somebody somebody in new zealand who says this is the price somebody in iceland who is saying this is the price i can appoint immediately a person why should i employ a programmer who is going to be with me right through awesome <laughs> i got it wow wow and i will give you one more example in uh, the year 2002 when paramount wanted a ceo and i had already started two companies i told paramount very clearly that why don't you outsource the ceo function to me and for a moment uh, harish who was the managing director he took a back seat and then he asked what do you mean so i said that these two companies that i have started are fledgling companies that require my attention i have to do some work there but i don't want you to worry about what is the work that i am doing there as far as those two companies are concerned they have got nothing to do with what was at that time called internet security i will be the outsourced ceo of paramount so i joined paramount in 2002 actually as an outsourced ceo i had not yet any ownership stake in paramount at that time so let's say when the whole world was outsourcing at the lowest end of the value chain we outsourced at the highest end of the value chain what is it that cannot be outsourced today anything can be outsourced anything can be outsourced yes and me being a virtual assistant me being a freelancer talking this is like oh <laughs> wow that's awesome <laughs> all right so you had this beautiful 20 years of entrepreneurial experience now you have trained 20 entrepreneurs you have uh, you completely believe in building people building entrepreneurs and building organizations do you believe in competition i know you don't but i want you to <laughs> do you believe in competition i believe in competition is always going to be there okay what is that mean when you say believe you believe in competition i mean uh, you uh, are you Uh, at times threatened by your competitor or threatened by the employees who might start their own business or you know no. all these people insecurities see you know how many entrepreneurs vipro has created i think around 150 200 people vipro has created there are so many companies that uh, grew out of uh, ex vipro people so what happened to vipro vipro grew right there's not that somebody you know then created something and threatened the very existence of vipro it doesn't happen it's it's like the old candle story that we've all heard you know we use one candle to light the other candle does this candle go it doesn't so you must have that uh, you know magnanimity of spirit i think that's very important it's not that you know oh i should not tell you this if i tell ria this then she'll do this that's not the way to think awesome 
Wow. Last few questions uh, before we go. What does leadership mean to you? I, you know, yesterday I had this recording and I asked the same question. I said that if you see a LinkedIn profiles, you'll see that hundreds of people have written on their profile that I'm a leader. And out of those hundred, I might say five people are, five people know the meaning of leadership, know what actual leader means so the don't don't you think that this word is often being uh it's not being used as it as it should be what, what do you think about that like everybody calls themselves a leader and an expert uh advisor uh you know all these words on the linkedin profile i'm like i'm petrified you know when i talk to them i'm like i don't think so you are a leader <laughs> so what do you have a say on that <laughs> see uh I would say to a large extent, this is like value addition. When you say I am adding value, you have to be a little careful because value has to be defined not by the giver, but by the recipient. Wow. Yes. The same thing on leadership. A leader is there. I can call myself a leader, but if you are not following me, what is what am I doing now? Right? <laughs> so... Leadership has to be defined by the follower only. I don't think you need to break your head and worry whether you are a leader, not a leader and all that stuff. Do you believe in uh, you being a South Indian? Because I think you guys believe a lot in education. You guys believe a lot in certificates, degrees. Uh, do you believe that having a IIM degree or having some kind of a degree will make you qualify and you know will qualify you to become an entrepreneur or it's just your ideas your hard work and your determination ah huh. <laughs> answer see if you look at some of the best businessmen they are the marwadis yeah, <laughs> i am a marwadi <laughs> Where does education now really come in there? I mean, it doesn't. I think, see, it's not that it's not important. The management education, I've taught at, uh, I've taken some sessions at IIM Kodikot, for instance. I've had that experience of meeting a large number of uh, management graduates. I've also employed uh, several people and I have a lot of respect for them. Some of them are very good. But I tell them when I go to the management institutes that, you know, in the management institute, you are taught how to change the wheels of the car. Very nicely. Now you come into the industry and your boss is telling you now that this car is in motion. Please change the wheels. Now you tell me, how will this boy ever know how to change the wheels of the car? He was never taught. He was taught how to change the wheels when the car was static. So, I mean... Education is very, very important. Education is like an ornament in prosperity. And it's a joy in diversity. And so I think that it's good to be educated, but then that's not enough. It all depends upon how you apply what you have learned. Perfect. Well said. Wow. Everything is like so well said that <laughs> now um, you have trained 20 entrepreneurs yourself like you have trained 20 people to become entrepreneurs which is very difficult what are the five uh, top five advices you give to any person who wants to become an entrepreneur or who wants so when you're training them what are the most important insights you're giving to them that is helping you helping them to become 
a good version of themselves, helping them to become an entrepreneur or what they want to do, an expert and, you know, etc. So what are the five qualities you try to drill in their head, you know, so that they do what they want to? Okay, first of all, you know, I, I think that it is incorrect to say that I trained okay. on. I, I don't think I trained anybody, but I may have sowed the seeds of entrepreneurship in their mind. Okay? Because somewhere down the line, I feel that if a person spends a reasonable amount of time, five to eight years working with me, he would realize that this entrepreneurship is not all that difficult. Okay? And if that person has an inherent desire to be an entrepreneur, he will have the confidence by that time. And that is what is the role that I have played. So I have never seen myself uh, in the role that you have mentioned of training. I've seen myself as a catalyst in a chemical reaction. <laughs> I'm only a catalyst. Once the reaction starts, then I'm not needed. Wow. So it's, it's that and this is also one of the quality, not accepting, uh, you know, all the good things, you know, this is one of the quality of an entrepreneur. They don't want to be like, I trained them, you know, that pride and everything. You're like, I did not. You just helped them. This is also one of the qualities. I'm, you know. <laughs> Maybe, I think so. <laughs> so do you have any top five uh, values or advices that you want to share people? for the listeners who wants to become an entrepreneur? See, I think one of the important things uh, as far as entrepreneurship is concerned, they must understand financials at a high level. They should have a fairly good understanding of cost structures, the revenue cost balance. They must understand how to read a balance sheet. I think it's very, very essential. There are enough number of videos on YouTube by a person named Dr. Anil Lamba excellent videos. If you listen to that, it is possible for any non-finance person, non-BCOM person, non-chartered accountant person to really understand the income statement, which is the PNL statement, the balance sheet, and the cash flow statement. They must understand the difference. Profit is not equal to cash. See, we all have this feeling, you know, before we really understand, we think, ah, oh, he made a profit. Means nothing. Because he maybe he didn't make any cash, right? So you will not understand this unless you really go through that, let's say, finance program, which I think is not a very difficult exercise to do. I, in fact, do um, a four-day, when I say four-day, it's actually six hours only, four sessions, basics of finance for non-finance people. Wow. I actually conduct that uh, training program. I do it online for um, people who have worked in my own companies. And I encourage people to, the reason why I say entrepreneurship is that as part of that training program, I explain to people why they have to look at building an asset. See, when you are an employee, what do you have to understand? Let's say I'm the owner of the company and you are the employee of the company. You're actually helping me build the asset. You have no asset. Wow. So when that realization strikes somebody, he says that, yeah, I have to do something at least because you're going to spend 10 years. So then you look at it and say, okay, 10 years, I earned so much money. That's fine. But who built the asset? Wow. I nothing. So it is therefore important for you. Okay, fine. If you can't do it in one company, that is why 
maybe you work for one company that will give you the cash flow and you help another company build an asset and maybe you don't take any cash flow from that company that is possible perfect so i think one thing that is important for an entrepreneur is to understand the financials very well number one number two i think he must focus on his ability to create customer impact is very very important you will get 5 minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes max with the customer if you are not able to create impact then your whole business is in trouble okay third thing i think you should know how to attract talent to retain talent develop that talent management of people is very very critical there must be some amount of thought leadership for sure because you cannot borrow that thought leadership right customer insight and industry foresight when you marry these two is when you get a business and then i think an important thing particularly in today's circumstances is that you need to be a game changer things will be dynamically moving in the marketplace and you should know when and how you will make that change you have to drive that change when you are in a leadership position so this again you know it's it's not that this is all science you can't go to a management institute and learn everything and then come out you there is a science there is an art there is practice why does sachin tendulkar have a coach even after hitting 100 centuries but we don't even have a coach if you ask today collect 10 executives and ask them who is your mentor who is your coach there is nobody you spend 5 years in the industry 10 years in the industry why are we doing this we should have each person i think must identify early on in his professional career he must identify a maybe one or two coaches or slash mentors who will understand them guide them as they move along in their career so i think that that is very important and as a leader your ability to coach and mentor again is very very critical if you don't like that teaching i somehow feel that you know it might be a little difficult for you to be a leader i may be wrong but i i think that if you are a good coach a good teacher it automatically makes you a good leader because 100% people follow the teacher if the teacher is good definitely 100% wow wow so these are like amazing values like unique values because if you go to youtube and see five tips to become an entrepreneur uh, everything is all scripted but these five of these five are like very insightful wow <laughs> i have said like 100 times this well said wow because i'm i'm pretty much like i'm surprised uh and you have so much of experience in this and you know listening from you is actually kind of motivating me as a person and i hope that our listeners are going to enjoy this conversation i think you know i have i don't have any more questions i even if i i know that you'll block me on linkedin because if i keep asking you questions and questions and no, no, no. <laughs> so, so experience i remember what oscar wilde once said he said experience is of no ethical value it's sim- it is simply the name we give our mistakes it demonstrates that the future will be the same as the past exactly wow <laughs> you want your future to be different from what your present is it is absolutely essential that in the present today you are doing something that is creating a new future think about this very carefully you will find that 90% of the people in this world are not doing anything today which is creating a new future and yet they want a new future agreed agreed 
Yeah, agreed. Super. So well you said. actually put what you are doing today into three buckets. This is what the uh, management consultant Vijay Govindarajan has said. You should be able to put what you're doing today into three different buckets. Bucket what, number one is managing the present. Bucket number two is selectively abandoning the past. And bucket number three is creating the future. Now, if you put all your activities, actually you should go and do this today quickly and see, and then you might find that 95% of what you are doing today is managing the present. Correct. So if you have nothing in bucket two and bucket three, how are you going to have a future which is different? Brilliant. Well said. Yeah. So I think this is the activity every one of us should do. <laughs> awesome. Wow. That's awesome. It was so good talking to you, sir. I mean, it is so inspiring. I uh, I have no words left. I had got, you know, when, when we started the interview, it was like, I had so many questions. I was like, no, this cannot be true. Multiple, you know, this cannot be true. And then I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, the things and everything and you made it so simple. That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, thank you so much for everything. You know, please stay connected and I really, really, you know. <laughs> really. I'll tell you one more snippet which is important. Definitely. You are, you are, you are what you are. You are where you are because of what goes on in your mind. Uh, you can change what you are, you can change where you are by first changing what goes on in your mind. Definitely. And see, this is what it is. Your mind that you cannot work for multiple companies at the same time. Actually, this is the first step. Once you take this out of your mind and tell yourself that I think I can work for multiple companies at the same time, then it's a question of actually experimenting and seeing who are the employers who are willing to accept this. Like you said, yes, many employers are traditional. They may not change. Eight out of 10 might say no, but you might suddenly find two out of 10 saying yes. Definitely. And that's what is written here. The mindset is everything. What you think you become. And now this is making sense to me. (laughs) Wow, that was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. I really hope you got some value out of this. Love you all and stay tuned for our next show. Bye-bye.